Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to The Lab. This is 538's NBA podcast for June 1st, 2018. I'm Neil Payne. I write about sports for 538. I'm going to be your host today, and I'm joined in studio by 538's Kyle Wagner. Hey, Kyle. Hey, Neil. How's it going? After 19 years, the Knicks are back in the finals. Uh, so. not, not quite. Well, I mean, one former Nick is, and like, once a Nick, always a Nick. Uh, but anyway, uh, I should say our fellow Oof. 538 sports Oof. writer and co-podcaster Chris Herring is actually out on deadline out at Oakland. So, uh, he's going to sit this one out, but we're going to dissect a wild game one win for the Warriors over the Cavs to start off the NBA finals. So, Let's just dive right in. What a game to unpack. The Cavs held their own early. Surprisingly, they built a double-digit second-quarter lead. They survived multiple Golden State runs in the second half. And that set up a really crazy closing sequence with a charge call that was overturned on replay, some pressure-packed missed free throws, one of the biggest late-game blunders in finals history. The Warriors pulled away in overtime, but it's fair to say that this one played out a little bit differently than us experts thought it might going into the series. So, Kyle, first things first, was Game 1 a sign that we don't really know as much as we think about the relative quality of these two teams and that the series will be closer than everybody thought? Or was this just an anomaly driven by LeBron having a game for the for the ages? So to be fair, number one, uh, yeah, we uh, did not exactly call this. Well, who but, did? No, who but did? Here's, but here's the thing. Um, we kind of did where it was all these things of Steph has been up and down in the playoffs. Kevin Durant has been very up and down in the playoffs. Uh, Draymond Green has been inconsistent. And uh, Clay Thompson uh, had missed time previously, uh, was in and out of this game. Yeah, right. He hurt um, his knee and Iguod- uh, early in the game. And Iguodala is still out of this game. Uh, where we said coming in that if there are, there are a number of things that are, that are just kind of just under the surface for this team. And if some number of those, uh, make themselves relevant, then all of a sudden, yeah, they're a different team. We saw them look like a different, like kind of mortal team, just like a great team, not the, you know, unstoppable, untouchable team. And that came out. Uh, Kevin Durant had a pretty lousy game. Uh, Iguodala was still out of there. Draymond uh, had moments of just being very good and moments of just looking lost. Could not buy a shot, I think, until maybe late late in the fourth or even in overtime he had, he had a big shot. But before that, they were leaving him wide open and he was just bricking away. Yeah, we kind of anticipated that if the Warriors were going to lose, this is the kind of game it would look like. Kind of didn't expect it to be game one. Uh, but also kind of didn't expect LeBron, or I'm not sure how much we didn't expect LeBron to put up 58, 51, <laughs> 8 and 8. But, uh, but yeah, it's not like the rest of the Cavs, uh, showed us all that much, uh, especially, we, we can get to the individuals in a minute, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, the rest of the Cavs, uh, have room for improvement. Yeah. Well, I mean, we should say that the Cavs offense, clicked really well in this game, or maybe you could turn it around and say the Warriors defense didn't really do a very good job, especially down the stretch. Uh, and it wasn't just, you know, it was mostly LeBron. Let's be honest. LeBron really decided to take over this game. But I think uh, this was a far better offensive performance than we had seen from the Cavs since maybe since parts of the Toronto series. Uh, and so if you're the Cavs and you're looking at this, should you feel good about yourself after holding your own and forcing overtime on the road in game one? Or should you look at it and be like, look, we had to have a lot of things, you know, turned up to their highest level, most notably LeBron's performance, and it still wasn't quite enough to get us past the Warriors? I mean, I think it's it's pretty obviously the latter of those two. Uh, I would say. You mean that, LeBron's not going to score fifty? What was it? Fifty-five? Fifty-one. It's, 51. it's fifty-one. Eight and eight. Yeah. But so here's the thing: 
that's true. You're probably not going to get all that out of LeBron, but they shot 27%, 10 for 37 from three. Uh, a Which, lot of those were open. Right. Um, and, and that's the thing where a lot of them were open, but they were open and you had to, you had to reset where LeBron was passing out of like a triple team on a drive or something like that. And, and the ball comes in at your knees and like it might register as an open shot on the charting, um, by, you know, the cameras, but, uh, it's not like a comfortable shot. They were missing those early. Later on, they were missing the ones where he put them right in the breadbasket and they went up and they were still not hitting. These were the shots like Jeff Green made to put them into the finals. He, he didn't make them, uh, late last game. Right. And, and also you got very, very, very little from a number of your core contributors. Uh, J.R. Smith had himself a not great game. He was three <laughs> for ten for the floor. Uh, and not just the thing at the end. So, sure. like, I, I, I want to talk about that in a second. Sure. But, uh, but also at, at the end of the first half, where the he ball's gambles. Go- yeah, he gambles for a steal when all he has to do is stand in front of Steph and put his hands in the air. And we've seen Steph. I mean, th- you know, we know that this is a p- guy that you have to guard from 30 feet out, or and you cannot let him have an open, just standstill jumper from out there. And that's exactly what happened. Not remotely surprising. But, like, the guy who should really be thanking his stars, and, like, so his plus-minus looks okay, but Jordan Clarkson put on one of the worst performances that, like, I remember in an NBA Finals, where he took uh, some of just the worst shots. They weren't even close. He was missing wide and short, and uh just couldn't—he he, he was so ineffectual that he was the one player on the Cavs who was would set a screen on LeBron, and, like— the Warriors were just giving every switch. They, they switched were, they everything. Were, they were giving you. They were giving you Steph Curry on every time you wanted a switch on a Steph Curry, unless it was Jordan Clarkson <laughs> trying to set the screen, or he just couldn't even do that. Like it was, it was really, it was really hard to watch. And so yeah, like he should be thanking Jr. today. Or like, and ju- so should George Hill for taking some of the heat off of missing that free throw. You have you know one of the games ostensibly on paper best free throw shooters percentage wise missing a potential go ahead shot with seconds left in a finals game, uh, and nobody's talking about that because of Jr.'s gaff. So let me let me make one of uh, let me make a trolls case for Jr. here, and like okay. of course like you, you you have to know the score, Jr. Like they, they, oh my god, um, but. Yeah, of the all the outcomes that could have happened on that shot, right? If George Hill makes it, I kind of feel like the Warriors are a better than a coin flip right. to, to score with. Right, they'd be down left. one, but be able to kind of set things up and, and get a presumably good look yeah, at the you, basket. Yeah, you advance with a timeout. Uh, if George Hill misses and JR doesn't truck over Kevin Durant, who's been a week on the boards all uh, for a while now, uh, to a point where you wonder what's going on with that. If he doesn't, if he doesn't come up with the rebound and Kevin Durant pulls it down, uh, like a little under four and a half seconds left, he's going to call a timeout immediately in advance. Same thing. Uh, if Jerry, if, if he takes the shot, it's obviously better. <laughs> if, he, if he goes up and you know tries to att- attempts the whatever, great. But of the of the things that were like possible there, it's it's possible that Jr. came out with like what the second best of of like what could have gone on there, or at least there were a lot of ways they could have lost then and there off of that play instead of later in overtime. Right, uh, like he it could have been a over the back foul. It could have been like a lot of different things where like you're just putting the Warriors on the line. You're you're doing things. So it's not the worst thing that could have happened. It's an inexcusable thing, but it's not the worst outcome in that moment. It really reminded me of, you know, when you're playing a pickup ball in the half court and you get a defensive rebound and you have to clear it and dribble out to the three-point line? It, it reminded me of that, except it was an offensive rebound. And we're in the 
freaking NBA Finals. We're not playing half court pickup. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that one's going to be dissected, I think, uh, up and down, especially since there's so much time between game one and game two. Uh, it's just going to be nonstop chatter for days. Oh, and he tried to lie too. He tried to he lie tried to after. <laughs> he, he got caught on camera saying, first of all, to LeBron on the court. I thought we were ahead. But then, like, Ty and they are Lu- memeing the hell out of that, by the way. But then Ty Lue comes out and says, "Gr thought we were ahead." Yeah, there's no cover. There's there's no cover for him, he tried. and there shouldn't he tried. be. God bless him. There he shouldn't tried. be uh, after that. Uh, okay, so you know, we talked about Cleveland. We talked a little about uh, a bit about the Warriors in that. What's something that jumps out from this game that maybe the Cavs can maintain among the things the Cavs can maintain about how they played when they built their lead or, you know, when they were kind of resisting the Warriors lead? Cause that, that's something that I think is going to be lost also is that there were two separate runs that the Warriors started to kind of rev up in the second half. One, uh, in the third quarter, which is where they always dominate and one that I think stretched into the fourth and each time, the Cavs repelled it, which I, you hardly ever see a team do to the Warriors once they start to kind of get things rolling. And I know Clay Thompson was hurt and, you know, kind of wasn't, uh, at, at 100% in the game. But are there certain little things that if you are the Cavs, you can kind of look at that and build some kind of blueprint going forward that if you maintain things, we could turn this into a, uh, an interesting competitive series? I mean, a few. Uh, I think, uh, first among those is Na- Larry Nance needs to be on the floor a little bit more. He played 19 minutes in this game and played really there, well. There were stretches where, uh, so he was one of the few Cavs to, to come out with, uh, you know, plus a uh, positive, a positive plus, plus minus. minus. Yeah. A lot of that has to do with the, with the overtime where, where they just got trucked over and, uh, th- that was just your crunch time lineup. But he was very good to the point where he was finding space, uh, getting rebounds offensive and defensive. Uh, where he was the second best calf for, for a stretch in the middle of the game there. And he was like really what was like keeping them in the game. Uh, and that's something where, uh, that's just energy. That's just him. Like that, that is kind of what Tristan Thompson gave them in that, uh, in that 2015 finals. Yeah. And I was going to say Tristan Thompson was really bad last night for the most part. Uh, and so it does kind of call into question. I think we talked about Tristan Thompson as being sort of like Ty Lue's break glass in case of emergency guy early in these playoffs where he had been sort of relegated to the to the bench and then they put him in just out of a last recourse and he actually played well and sort of formed a lineup that the Cavs have been using a lot in the playoffs uh, to pretty good effect and so I wonder now is this like the seeds of doubt about Tristan kind of creeping in and sort of the things that got him in the doghouse in the first place might be reemerging at the worst possible time. I mean, so on top of that, uh, you have other players just following out the rotation. So Rodney Hood didn't play a minute. Rodney Hood is like one of... Uh, when the, was the last time Rodney Hood played significant or meaningful minutes for this team at all? He's, he's just fallen out of the rotation. And Jose Calderon also didn't play any. And we've featured the, we've featured Calderon a few times this season uh, about how well the Cavs play. Well, like both when he's the starting point guard and when he just plays significant minutes. Uh, and you have to think that, like, with, with how much they were just not respecting Clarkson's shot, uh, they were just giving him all the space. And how well the Cavs played, uh, even though, like, Corver had a, uh, Kyle Corver had a pretty much invisible game, uh, and he has at times been the second leading, third leading scorer on this team, and, like, when they've been at their best. Uh, but the Cavs played well because you have to respect Kyle Corver. You have to, you know, not give him all the space in the world. You have to think that, like, if Clarkson puts in an, at least one more game like that, that, 
Lee would have to think the about you know, yeah, 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 and say, okay, we have we have other players on the roster who can you know maybe knock down a shot. Okay, so then to flip it around, what do you take away from this game if you're Golden State? Because like you mentioned, you know Durant was sort of up and down in in this one, and uh, he he's been that way at times during these playoffs. You also talked about the fact that. He's just not rebounding and, and he's getting, you know, outworked, it seems like, at times on the boards for somebody who's going to be, uh, one of the biggest players on the court and they need to be able to kind of pitch in in that department. It does seem like that's an area where he's kind of fallen short. Uh, so are there things that if you're looking at the Warriors and you're kind of looking ahead, you have to feel very lucky to win that game at home? Uh, what adjustments do you make if you're Steve Kerr, uh, going forward? None. Just None. time to play better. I mean, make that, shots. <laughs> I, I would say that um, the, the the one thing like they actually don't have to make adjustments on, which is surprising, is just letting Kevon Looney just stick with LeBron. Like uh, down the stretch, especially uh, LeBron had had trouble with that in a way that, and we saw him have trouble when, when Javale came in and to start the second half. Uh, he also he tried to you know. Uh, I saw him up, you know, uh, cross him up and like JaVale just stood his ground. And LeBron was like, you know, taking, taking advantage of the Curry matchup whenever he got it. He was taking advantage of some other matchups. He's taking about every matchup. Let's, let's be frank. But like, he wasn't just obliterating, uh, Looney when he got that matchup the way that, uh, you would, you would expect that to maybe go. Yeah. He shot one for four when he was matched up with Looney, according to Second Spectrum's tracking. Uh, he shot 10 for 15, which is a 67% field goal percentage when he was matched up with Kevin Durant, uh, which was the majority of the game. I mean, 45 possessions, Durant was checking LeBron, uh, and LeBron scored 30 points on, on those possessions. Uh, but, Maybe that is sort of something like they were so desperate to get that Curry uh, switch onto LeBron that they would waste and maybe not waste, but they would use, you know, 20 seconds of shot clock almost to to just run screen after screen after screen just to try to get that matchup. Is that something where it sounds funny to say about a game where LeBron scored so much, but it seems like he almost like didn't take as much of advantage of that as, as he could have. Is that, are they fixating too much on trying to get that particular matchup? Uh, and, and is that something that maybe they should change going forward? I mean, it's possible, but I think the, the switching concerns are actually on the other end for, for Cleveland. So, uh, like we were talking, it was more obvious that, you know, Le- LeBron was, you know, seeking out Curry. LeBron was like ending up on the centers. Um, and that's the matchup that we're looking at. Uh, but on the other end, uh, the Cavs were switching in a way that they just don't in the regular season. So this is from ESPN stats and info that during the regular season, the Cavs switched on ball. Uh, on-ball screens about 13% of the time. In game one, they switched 62% of the time. In off-ball screens, they switched about uh, 5% of the time in the regular season. You just fight over. It's the Cavs, um, which I'm not sure why. They're like a decrepit old roster. It doesn't make a ton of sense. In game in game one, they switched about 45% of the time. Both of these are huge, num- uh, huge jumps up um, and look a lot like the way the Rockets were playing. Uh, they also got lit up on plays where they switched on Curry. They, they gave up on plays where they switched on Curry 1.6 points per possession, which is, uh, b- like close to double. Astronomical. Like it's, 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 it's an offense and a half. Uh, and, uh, they didn't do great when they, they stuck, but, uh, they, it was down to one point per possession, which is, uh, good, but not, you know, extraordinary. And so, so yeah, they, they are 
copying what they saw the you know the rockets do to to some great success but it they they don't have the personnel to do that like it's a very specific kind of personnel thing so if there's going to be an uh, an adjustment from the warriors maybe try to take a little more um advantage of that uh just put those defenders into switches where they're just uh they just don't communicate they're they're not used to it they're not communicating it well enough on top of just you know not being you know as physically physically apt at doing it too Okay, so uh, we have to talk about LeBron and his performance in this game a little bit more because this was one of the all-time great finals games by anyone, much less him, and he's had so many games in the finals in his career. Uh, and it was so superhuman that it, it sort of was bittersweet because you feel like this is his finals career in a nutshell, right? He played as well as a player could possibly play. He was setting up a lot of open shots. Uh, I think there was an, uh, a note from Stats and Info about how poorly his uh, his teammates shot off of LeBron James' passes, which we've talked in the past about how those are usually money in the bank. That's sort of the only way the Cavs can kind of survive and operate is that they shoot so much better off LeBron passes than anyone else. So was this just sort of his his whole finals career for the most part in in a nutshell that he's dragging these guys this under talented roster he's setting them up on shots that they can't make he's doing everything himself and and having a superhuman game and then at the very end he he has to point to the basket to 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 tell Jared Smith uh, you know what shoot don't dribble out just shoot and they still can't do it and they end up losing I mean, it's not just pointing at the basket. It's, it's just before that. So there's, uh, so a friend of mine, like, is pointing out the, the picture on the front page of the, uh, the Times Sports section. And there's three and a half seconds left on the shot clock. JR has, is dribbling out, which at, at that point, like, dribbling out is fine. Like, you, if you can find, uh, find space or find, find a pass. Three and a half seconds left. Four players with their back to LeBron. LeBron's at the, at, at the free throw line, a little offset. And he's got his hand out for the ball. And if that pass happens, he's got a he's got a free throw jumper, mm-hmm. a free throw line jumper to to win game one, uh, or to seal game one. And oof, yeah. So so yeah, like it is it is really tough to to look at that and be like he put up fifty one eight and eight and and they they lost. So I I and that's kind of you know we've talked uh, I think we talked last episode about how LeBron is usually the underdog going into the finals and that his finals record is not something you know a lot of people like to put that up against someone somebody like Jordan they like to kind of make the comparison because LeBron of course falls short uh, when making that comparison but I don't think anybody could watch that game last night and see how well he played and how poorly the rest of his team played and sort of just look at it and be like, oh yeah, you know, we should totally compare straight up the, the 90s Bulls, uh, with that supporting cast, uh, with Jordan to somebody like LeBron and kind of make it a, an even comparison. It just doesn't make sense anymore. I mean, I think these types of games are going to go and feed into his, uh, legacy. Maybe not even in like a Jerry West type way because Jerry West lost a lot of finals but he also was playing with Elgin Baylor and Wilt Chamberlain you know he was playing with really good players uh this is almost a new level for a great player to be on the biggest stage play at one of the highest levels anyone's ever played in a finals game and then still have his team fall short I can't think of another comparison that sort of you know is in the same neighborhood I can 2015 LeBron James. Well, sure, where yeah. He did there the exact you go. Same thing. There and you so, go. And so, so one thing before we get out of here is that it it seems dire. It seems grim looking at Jr. just nicks the Cavs out of uh, out of Game One. And uh, so yes, the the New York Knicks have 
Struck again, sure. But this happened in 2015. They were – that was a very competitive game coming down to the end. And they went to overtime and they lost an overtime game one and everyone said, oh, man. Like, And the notion was, well, the Cavs had a shot to get game one there. And the Cavs were actually like not seen to be like big underdogs. Right. They, they were much, should have been. much more competitive on paper at least. Um, in, until they lost Kyrie and they, um, and they right. didn't have Kevin Love and – Whatever, but like, and the Warriors weren't given the the due respect of them having you know been an epochal team already all season because you know jumpers don't make uh, jump shots don't win championships. Phil Jackson's sure. philosophy still rules. Um, but just practically, it was as much of a mis- not as much of a mis- mismatch, but it was a it was a massive it was mismatch. Close. Um, uh, af- after game one, it was oh they dropped game one. Uh, that was their chance to to do it. They still went up two one uh, with a team that was. Pretty bereft of talent. They had Matthew Delvadova. Matthew Delvadova, I was going to say, played played a huge major role and actually made himself a lot of money later in uh, in free agency uh, with, on the basis of like the next two games in that series. So things have looked grim for this team after a close game one overtime loss before against this team. So, I mean, don't don't rule it out, but but it looks dark. Okay, so let's leave it there for now with the series after one game. Uh, we, sh- we should note that our Carmelo model at 538 gives the Warriors an 85% chance of winning the title now. I think it was what, like 75% before game one. Uh, and I should also say that the Carmelo model has been a little bit more down on the Warriors than something like the Vegas odds. But that's sort of the state of the series for now. Uh, game two is on Sunday. We will be with you on Monday to uh, react to that. Uh, and We'll just see what happens uh, as the series goes forward. But man, after that first game, uh, oh, I don't I don't know God. what game two can really can really do for an encore. And I I don't know if there's a situation in which LeBron could sort of seem more out on an island by himself after that one. I mean, if we if we get four of those um, and the same outcome every time, like it's still like one of the best finals we'll ever have. Yeah, seen. would he? Could he? Could he win? MVP in a sweep, in a sweep by the other team. I mean, that he's the only player I think we could even like ask that question and have it not be just completely like a joke. Like if he does do something like that uh, in each game and they even get swept, like people would think about it at least. I don't think they would give him the MVP, but they they would at least think twice about it, which is just astonishing. Okay, that'll do it for this week's show. Once again, our podcast producer is Tony Chow. He's back from paternity leave, and we missed him. Uh, our podcast commissioner is Chad Matlin. Keep sending us your questions and comments at podcast at 538.com. Whatever your favorite podcasting app is, we are also there, whether it's the Listen tab of the ESPN app or on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe at iTunes.com slash 538. Wherever you find the show, be sure to review and leave a rating. It helps others discover the program. For Kyle and Chris, I'm Neil. Thanks for listening and talk to you next time.